Hello, beings of Earth. I'm your host, Neil Verma. Welcome to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is, so you can build a dominant e-com brand. Today, we're going to approach things from a slightly different angle. Although you all know by now that eBrand Builders, we believe in brands having a core purpose and values, leading with those values comes with its own risks though. That's why we're going to be looking at it from a different angle today. And that is why purpose-driven marketing may be the most powerful form of advertising, but also the most potentially risky. In particular, we'll be looking at a few case studies in brand values that have gone wrong and how your brand can avoid this fate. Let's get started. So as I just mentioned, a core part of your brand's identity is your brand's value. Summed up in a few words, these values signal what your brand believes in, what you're willing to stand up for, and who you serve, and the problem your brand cares about. Values shape your brand's attitude towards others, the kinds of decisions you make, and your overall business practices. Clearly stated, values help you connect emotionally with your target customers, but they also are meant to be standards that keep your brand accountable for its actions and choices. And we include values in the first of our seven C's, core, because your brand purpose and values are the foundation of everything your brand does. It's your brand identity and your values that would only feel sincere if they're aligned with every element of your business. From your visual identity, like your logo and brand name, to the website design. Throughout your content and guiding your daily customer service. It also includes your marketing efforts. To some extent, although we talk about purpose-driven brands like it's something new, businesses have always been closely associated with purpose. The idea that business should be conducted in good faith and work towards the greater good has always been around. Now, that is, is an ideal that has always been practiced. But when you consider the standard of corporate personhood, which legally protects companies as if they were citizens, this is a pretty old idea. But today, brand values have become a lot more important for the survival of a brand. About 100 years ago, companies might succeed in growing to be well-known national entities, but the globalization of brands is relatively new. The top brands are now worth more than the GDP of many countries. This growth has been enabled by the parallel globalization of media. Almost 60% of the world's population has access to the internet, and nearly 92% of this number access the internet through mobile devices. This has been a blessing and a curse for brands. On the one hand, it means greater marketing reach and the ability to create global awareness of your brand. Even the smallest business startup today isn't limited to their local market. There is no reason why a business can't open online today and be selling to customers on the other side of the world tomorrow. The other new development is that the internet has also brought in with it the unprecedented levels of transparency and social media has democratized it. Now anyone can expose the missteps of a brand to the whole world within seconds. In the 1990s, after labor organizations in Korea and Taiwan raised the manufacturing cost at Nike, 
they made the decision to work with new contractors in China, Vietnam, and Indonesia. Unfortunately, labor conditions in many of these factories weren't just poor, they were outright abusive. What was only through a series of articles written by activist Jeff Ballinger for Harper's Magazine exposing the conditions of these factories that this became public knowledge. Initially, Nike defended themselves by explaining they didn't own the factories and therefore couldn't dictate working conditions, but felt enough pressure to instill factory codes of conduct. Although trouble was brewing for Nike, it hadn't quite reached the level of a crisis. And this began to shift in 1992 when protesters appeared at the Barcelona Olympics and investigative journalism continued to publish stories and interviews with Nike's factory workers. Even still, it took until 1996 for sweatshops to become a national issue. And that was triggered when Kathy Lee Gifford, a popular morning show host, tearfully apologized on air after she discovered her clothing line was being manufactured by children in poor conditions. Protests continued until 1997, and it wasn't until Nike faced weakening demand that they created the Fair Labor Association in 1999 and started doing factory audits in 2002. For those of you that are keeping score, that's a scandal that lasted nearly a decade before Nike was compelled by enough pressure to take action. Today, as social media allows missteps to go viral in a matter of minutes, brands respond now within hours or at worst, days. Consider the scandal United Airlines faced in April of 2017, when a passenger was forcibly removed from a plane, causing the man pretty serious injuries. The airline was quick to release a statement into the incident that it would be investigated. But later the same day, a letter from the CEO to United employees was released in which he falsely accused the passenger of being belligerent. They apologized the next day and the day after that as each attempt to make amends for the incident fell short. Or the current scandal developing in Amazon warehouses over the health and safety of workers during the COVID pandemic. Employees are attempting to put public pressure on Amazon to be more transparent about the number of positive cases in their warehouses. They're also demanding better disinfectant processes and better benefits like paid sick leave and health coverage for part-time workers. Amazon has fired several of the most vocal employees as the scandal has unfolded. It's unclear whether Amazon will pay a long-term price for this as right now, as they're likely to be seen as being essential to consumers who are too worried about their own well-being to mount a significant backlash. But that we are watching the scandal unfold is almost real-time, is what's completely new. Of course, consumers have always held brands to an ethical standard, but the internet and social media has intensified this relationship. Another new phenomena is what constitutes a scandal is also evolving. In the cases of Nike's sweatshops or United's abusive treatment of a passenger, these were both clear violations of public trust. Today, brands are judged just as swiftly for actions that violate their stated principles, not just whether or not decisions create palpable harm. Consumers are now such sophisticated media viewers, they can almost instantly sense whether a brand's product line and marketing is in lockstep with its stated values. This is part of the reason why deliberately crafting your brand's core identity is no longer an option. If you want to create a brand that thrives in today's climate, 
you need one. But today, I want to take a different approach to this because the expectation today is for brands to have and stand up for clear values has sunken in. Most major companies have made a push to recommit to or communicate for the first time the principles at the heart of their business. But this doesn't always go smoothly. Several brands have gotten themselves into trouble because their relationship between their brand values and their marketing efforts are in total misalignment. One of the reasons many companies shy away from creating value-based marketing is because they worry they'll alienate some consumers. And they're right to worry. If you choose strong brand values, you will put off some shoppers. There's no avoiding it. And actually, if your values alienate someone, it's a signal that you are on the right track. Too many companies who see having values as just a passing fad choose vague, inoffensive ones like transparency and accountability. So they don't end up meaning anything to anyone very generic. As long as your values speak directly to and inspire your target audience, you can't expect to please anyone else. And this is precisely the way it should be. Maybe without knowing it, brands that choose ambiguous values are still sending a signal. The problem is that most consumers who feel you're trying too hard not to ruffle any feathers will assume it's because you're going for the widest market possible. And they'll further assume that you're willing to do anything to boost your profits. Of course, in this climate, if you have defined brand values and put those ideals in your marketing, you're going to create a stir. So if you're going to take that step, you need to be sure your brand values are absolutely clear. And this is something Hallmark learned very recently. The greeting card behemoth is also the owner of the Hallmark Channel, a cable station known mostly for its family-friendly content. During the Christmas season of 2019, the Hallmark Channel ran a series of four ads promoting Zola, a website that helps couples plan their wedding. Of the four ads, two featured same-sex couples getting married. But within days of the ad's release, Hallmark bowed to the pressure to remove it from the air. A conservative group called One Million Moms objected that the ads were indecent and threatened to boycott the channel. Originally, Hallmark pulled only two of the ads with the same-sex couples because they didn't want to generate controversy. But Zola then quickly pulled the two remaining ads as well. Then after the news broke, there was a swift public backlash against Hallmark for jettisoning their commitment to the LGBTQ community. And actually, this wasn't the first time Hallmark had been targeted by the One Million Moms. Back in 2008, Hallmark Cards debuted their new line of wedding cards specifically for same-sex couples. The conservative group attempted a boycott at the same time too, although to this day, Hallmark continues to sell a range of LGBTQ cards. But that wasn't the end of the scandal. Hallmark then received backlash for pulling the ads. And eventually, Hallmark CEO Mike Perry announced that they were agonizing over the decision and came to believe that they had made the wrong one. Of course, this only further enraged one million moms, and it did little to mend fences with the LGBTQ community who felt betrayed by the original choice. Hallmark's mistake here wasn't having values, but it was that the fact that they didn't stand by them. And frankly, the non-committal is what hurt them. Now, both choices reflect poorly on the brand. Conservatives who were happy with the ads being pulled now feel abandoned, 
and any goodwill Hallmark had with the LGBTQ community had vanished as well. What's left in this wake is confusion. And no matter where you personally come down on this issue itself, it's the flip-flopping that reflects poorly on the Hallmark brand. But Hallmark aren't the only brand to get into trouble when a 2019 Christmas ad came along. Peloton, the makers of a high-end stationary bike, had to pull their holiday ad after a swift backlash as well. The ad shows a husband gifting a Peloton to his wife on Christmas morning. She then documents her year-long journey with the bike recording short videos on her cell phone. At the end of the ad, she shows a montage of these videos to her husband. The video tribute ends with her thanking him for the gift and gushing that a year ago, she had no idea how the bike would change her. If you've seen the ad, you'll appreciate why my description of it doesn't really do it justice. It was widely criticized on socials, first or all, because the actress playing the wife is already quite thin. Also, the implication of gifting exercise equipment to your spouse didn't sit well. But what really makes this ad unsettling is the wife's documenting of the journey. The videos have an undertone of desperation to them, like she's trying to please an overly controlling spouse. This certainly isn't the kind of commercial that makes you wonder what they were thinking. On paper, it sounds innocent enough, but the ad does have an undeniably creepy undertone. But it's an interesting case because unlike Hallmark, Peloton was sincerely trying to communicate a heartfelt brand value. The ad's title is The Gift That Gives Back, and it's clear that what they were trying to communicate was that exercising is about much more than losing weight. And there are many secondary benefits as well. It's been well-researched that regular exercise improves your overall mood, can keep your brain healthy as you age, and improves your sleep. And not to mention the reward of creating and staying committed to a self-supporting habit. The idea was a good one and was fully in line with their values. Their previous holiday ads had a similar message. It was a series of two commercials. The first showed a husband hiding a peloton with a big red bow on it in the shed. But as the day, as the countdown to the Christmas days came along, we see them using the peloton himself. A later ad reveals that his wife had discovered the peloton in the shed and she too had already started using it. And she then pretends to be delighted and surprised on Christmas morning. The actress who played the wife in this gift give backs campaign, Monica Ruse, explained in an interview that she blamed her face and wondered if her eyebrows made her look worried. It's hard to say what pushed it over the cliff edge, but it does make an interesting point about how branding has evolved. In a previous episode, we walked through the history of branding, where brands started as a way to indicate property or to distinguish a product's maker. It wasn't until the 80s that branding became to be known as selling for an added value. This value was often emotional and positioned products as a way to build, fix, or express your personal identity. Marketing pushed the message that you could buy happiness, confidence, or self-worth. But as customers have become more sophisticated media consumers, messages like these almost never resonate anymore. Most consumers today are fed up with brands trying to sell products by weaponizing their insecurities. And this ill-fated Peloton commercial has a feeling to it as well, whether it was the brand's intention or not. But there is a marked difference between Hallmark's ad and Peloton's. In Hallmark's case, their response to controversy reflected a lack of clarity about the brand's value. 
their brand purpose to help create a more emotionally connected world now feels a bit hollow, so long as they've left the impression that this connection isn't universal. Peloton, on the other hand, made an ad that reflected their values, it just wasn't executed well, and the real message got lost. Since then, Peloton has definitely made a comeback, and the ad didn't have a lasting impact on the brand value and, of course, their sales. With the onset of social distancing during the COVID pandemic, Peloton sales surged as consumers look for more solutions to staying fit at home. Because Peloton's slip-up wasn't a total violation of their values, it certainly would have been surprising if the brand has sustained long-term damage. And certainly, Peloton's usefulness right now is enough to outweigh any lingering bad taste. But there's still a risk of marketing in a purpose-driven age. You need brand values and you need to lean into them, but you also need to be careful that your message is actually interpreted as you intended by your target audience. This is the real challenge of marketing with your values, not the chance of offending someone your brand isn't talking to. Two more recent examples of value-driven marketing are Gillette and Lush. Gillette, the iconic razor brand whose slogan has been the best a man can get for years, caused a stir when they released an ad titled We Believe the Best Men Can Be. The ad tackled the Me Too movement by recontextualizing their iconic slogan to address bullying, sexism, and toxic masculinity. Of course, it wasn't well received by anyone. In fact, it quickly became one of the most unliked videos on YouTube. There were many critics who found the ad emasculating and accused it of pandering to the woke culture on Twitter. It was also criticized on the other side of the spectrum. Many consumers thought it was hypocritical for Gillette to say they promoted equality when they still priced their razors for women at a high premium. They later released another ad called First Shave that featured a trans man learning how to shave from his father, which was more warmly received. Although they likely dodged the first one of the potential controversy by not posting it on YouTube or Twitter. Lush, a UK-based national cosmetic company, has also found themselves having to walk a tightrope with their marketing. As a brand built on natural and cruelty-free ingredients, they do not even partner with suppliers or distribution companies who have been party to animal testing at any time. Going hand-in-hand with animal rights is human rights, and Lush also has a long history of defending and supporting various human rights groups. For instance, since 2007, they have sold Charity Pot, a body lotion whose profits are donated to various small human rights organizations. They've also had their brushes with controversy courting campaigns. In 2012, when they hired a performance artist who for 10 hours acted out what animals endure in testing, like forced feeding and eye irritancy test, it was live-streamed from their Regent Street shop window. It was met with an overwhelming posture response for opening the public's eye to the life of abuse many animals endure in the name of cosmetics. But another campaign from May of 2018 didn't land as well. The campaign was known as Hashtag Spy Cops and was meant to bring awareness to the often unethical behavior of the UK's undercover police force. The campaign was meant to highlight the often emotionally abusive relationships undercover cops form with activists in order to charge them. Unfortunately, while on paper the campaign probably made sense, the campaign received quick backlash for painting police with too broad of a brush. 
Even after Lush tried to specify they were only criticizing the small units of undercover officers targeting activists, the public wasn't having it. The UK's chief police officers and the Home Secretary were vocal opponents and many of their loyal tribe thought the campaign went too far. Lush did temporarily suspend the campaign but eventually resumed it. And although there was a short-lived flush Lush campaign online, the brand didn't lose any significant following. Because again, although the campaign's attention didn't break through its audience, it was at least in line with Lush's values and anti-establishment personality. Likewise, the Me Too movement was also the subject of passionate debate. So Gillette wasn't playing it safe either. But compared to Pepsi's ill-fated commercial featuring Kylie Jenner, which borrowed imagery from the Black Lives Matter movement, Gillette and Lush were at least acting on brand values they had credibility to use. Pepsi's commercial felt exploitive in a way Gillette's and Lush's ads didn't, so it was quickly scrapped, and Pepsi was forced to issue an apology for the misstep. To a lesser degree, McDonald's fell into some hot water after an ad called Carry On. In 2014, with their stock dropping, they released the ad as a way to reinforce their image as an American icon and a mainstay in people's lives. The ad featured pictures of McDonald's signs from all over the country over the past few decades. Some of these signs were wishing local residents a happy birthday or acknowledging an anniversary. And many showed signs expressing condolences and support after national tragedies like the 9-11 and the Boston Marathon bombing. Although it was popular among media critics, many consumers didn't feel the same way. They accused McDonald's of wanting credit for changing their signs, but offering little as to the community, especially considering the health risk of eating too much of their food. The idea was to humanize the mega corporation's image, but it wasn't until McDonald's started making real practical changes to their menu that they began to recover. It's a lesson that it's not enough to create a feel-good ad, the value you use in your marketing needs to be reflected in everything your brand does. The challenge with marketing using value is that if every element of your business isn't in alignment behind those values, consumers today will see through it instantly. Another McDonald's ad from 2017 had to be quickly pulled because they miscalculated the right tone for selling a fish sandwich. The ad ran in the UK and featured a young boy asking his mother to tell him about his dead father. As she describes him, he notices that he and his deceased father don't have much in common until they end up in McDonald's, and she tells him that his dad loved the filet of fish as well. Aside from being accused of being in bad taste, McDonald's actually received complaints from bereavement charities. And like Peloton's commercial, this was one where the intention was more or less well-founded in the brand. McDonald's has long positioned itself as a family restaurant and a place for happy memories, but the product didn't match the seriousness of the ad subject and it came off as being exploitative. For purpose-driven marketing to speak to the right customers, it needs to have a strong brand underneath those values to prove its authentic position. But even with an amazing brand, sometimes your intentions get lost in translation. But if you can get it right, value-driven messaging is some of the most powerful marketing you can ever do. Budweiser, aired a well-received ad during the 2017 Super Bowl called Born the Hard Way. It featured a dramatization of one of the brand's founders, Adolphus Bush, immigrating to the U.S. and the discrimination he suffered along the way. Bush very famously underwrote the very first museum to honor German art 
and constructed the campus of the Harvard University in 1914. But with the outbreak of the World War I, anti-German sentiment skyrocketed in the U.S. and Anheuser-Busch was a victim of mass boycotts. The museum's completion had to be put on hold and they were forced to change the Budweiser label. Originally printed in German, they translated the label to English and replaced a small icon of an eagle perched on the German war helmet. Airing the ad in the weeks following the inauguration of Donald Trump and shortly after his controversial travel ban, the ad worked because it was founded in something absolutely real and authentic. Even if the ad wasn't interested in selling beer, it was the brand's history, history that was suddenly relevant and pressing. This is the best approach to value-driven marketing, knowing your brand well enough to know when it's time to stand up and when it's time to bow out. Being value-led doesn't mean you need to throw your hat into every fight, and it certainly doesn't mean being emotionally manipulative. It means that if you're going to have values, you have to stand up for them. But if you're going to stand up for your values, they also have to be real. The good news for you actually is that you're probably not a Gillette or a Hallmark. Part of the reason their value-based ads are so often scoffed at is precisely because they're huge corporations. Most consumers are already approaching them with suspicion over their motives. As a smaller e-com brand, as long as your branding is internally consistent, you're likely given the benefit of the doubt. But above all, you don't want to infuse your ad campaigns with values just because it's trending. The takeaway here is that for a strong brand core, it will only benefit you if it's generally the root of everything your brand does. You can't just make a feel-good ad and expect to score points. You need to engage values you have with the credibilities to use, which means they're backed up by your actions and they reflect your reputation with the larger community. This isn't to say you'll always get it right. Leading with your values is always going to be a risk. You'll upset some people and you won't always hit the mark. But it's also the single greatest way to connect emotionally with the right customers and hold your brand accountable. If you need some help defining your brand values, you will find a step-by-step -step process in our free book checkout, which you can get at ebrandbook.com. You've been listening to eBrandCast, where we decode what branding truly is so you can build a dominant e-com brand. If you enjoyed today's show, please let us know. We'd love the feedback and we read every review we get, not just because this our podcast is new. Reviews help us out a lot. They increase the visibility of the podcast and help us reach more entrepreneurs like yourself. More importantly, your suggestions let us know what we're doing well and what we can do to improve. So post your thoughts, please. And as a thank you for taking the time we're offering to everyone who leaves us a review, free lifetime access to the 7C Canvas platform. It's an online tool that allows you to fill out, save, and share as many versions of the 7C Canvas as you can come up with. What's the 7C Canvas? It's the ultimate one-pager building block technique to creating an e-com brand strategy. It accompanies our flagship 7C method and is the perfect companion for our book checkout. Getting access is an easy three-step process. First, post a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is always welcome. Second, take a screenshot of your review. And finally, email your screenshot to reviews at ebrandbuilders.com and we'll reply back with instructions to access the new home of your brand strategy. Can't wait for the next new episode and want to hear more? You can find all of our past episodes at ebrandcast.com and you can make sure you never miss a new episode by subscribing. Thank you again for tuning in today. See you in the next one. Bye for now.